and welcome to the Powder Blue Podcast. There's a baseball schedule. Well, there's some players out the Phillies camp, and there's lots to talk about as we look forward to this season, which is set to begin on July 24th as the Phillies take on the Miami Marlins. And Frank Close here. I'm joined by Jeff Mosher. Jeff, remember how you started last week's show? <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. He'll believe it when he sees it. And after all of that, things got a little... What's, what's the right word to describe how camp opens? Hairy? A little hairy? <laughs> <laughs> a little hairy. So so just to sort of run down what happened, and I, and I wrote an article about this on 97.3ESPN.com on Monday morning, like, is this even a good idea? So by Monday morning, there were seven Phillies who had not shown up to camp for unexplained reasons. So let, let's run down that list really fast, Jeff Mosher. So, so the first four we heard about, so closer Hector Neris, mm-hmm. starting second baseman Scott Kingery, back-end reliever Tommy Hunter, and Ranger Suarez, who could have been the fifth starter. So, so we first heard of four <laughs> names that were not around, and they did the whole, well, we can't tell you why they're not here kind of thing. But by the way, they're on the 10-day injured list with no explanation, even though the injured list always has an explanation. So that, that, that happened first. And then by the end of the weekend, it was, huh, we don't see Aaron Nola. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal, wouldn't you mm-hmm. say? Uh, also, Christian Bethencourt, who might have been a catcher at AAA Lehigh Valley and insurance for the Phillies. And one more name. I'd say I'm, I'm mixing up all the names. So that's the, that's the thing. There's so many of them that I don't really know what's going on. Uh, who was the other name that was, that was not here right away? Adam Hastley, right? So uh, right, who, yeah. who would have been a, one of the uh, candidates for starting center fielder. So mm-hmm. the Phillies, seven out of their 26-man roster were nowhere to be found as of Monday morning. Now, here's where things got a little bit dicey, Jeff. Obviously, you hear the name Marinola not being there. What, what's the natural reaction from the fans? He's got COVID. He's going to be out. You know, who knows how long. They're not going to have him for the season. And, and here's, where, here's where I don't understand this, Jeff Mosher. So mm-hmm. there are HIPAA laws. Not HIPPO laws. HIPAA laws. I saw HIPAA somebody laws, say HIPPO correct. laws. I don't know. Someone on Twitter said HIPPO laws. Right. But HIPAA laws prohibit you from disclosing medical information about somebody, right? So it's very reasonable. So if we go to the well, doctor it does, for Unless you give consent. I Correct. think the consent is a big part of that, yeah. So the players have waived or have pre-consented to any baseball-related injuries being disclosed. That's why if somebody goes on the disabled list with an oblique strain, you know they have an oblique strain. But, right. not, under, but not under that agreement are COVID tests. So what you have now is a situation where, as we saw, you ask Joe Girardi on a media Zoom call, which has been the, the means of communication so far. You're on this Zoom call, and he says, well, I, I can't really get into that. Like when you're talking about players that may or may not be on the COVID list. Well, right. is Aaron Nola going to make his opening day start? Well, I don't know if we – I don't really know right now. So he can't give any information whatsoever about somebody's condition. Is, is, that, is that a good way to do things, Jeff Mosher, right now? No, it's. I think it's silly. Uh, look, I mean, uh, uh, to me, me personally, I don't think that there's a stigma that should be attached to getting COVID. It's highly transmittable. Anybody could have it and not know it. In fact, a lot of the research now suggests that uh, a lot of people who have COVID are asymptomatic, so they don't even know they have it. And, you know, it doesn't mean you're irresponsible. It doesn't mean you haven't taken precautions. I mean, it could, but it doesn't mean you definitely were. And I think that because of the timeline we're in right now where so many people have it and it's 
so highly transmittable. I don't see it as something that's so personal that you feel feel you should feel embarrassed by having COVID. Uh, and so now, will there be people that speculate? Oh, this guy was out partying, or this guy was sure. But that's going to happen regardless. If you put if you try to privatize it and say that we're just going to say he's on the injured list, then you're going to open up that door to speculation anyway. And people are going to have their opinions. So I, I don't see it. To me, it's, as you mentioned, Frank, Blake, when a guy pulls his hamstring or if a guy has a shoulder injury, it's, it is what it is. He can't play because he's got it. And so I don't, I think it's, it just makes it more, the, the more secretive it is, it almost leads to more conspiracies, more strange opinions. And I don't think that does anything for the players help. So let's, let's talk about how this unfolded this weekend. So, so Sunday afternoon, we're kind of hearing about some of these players. They, they may be on the COVID list. They may be held out uh, due to COVID protocols. Nobody's come out mm-hmm. and said it. Um, Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer was sniffing around knowing that there was something COVID-related related to, to Arenola, who, of course, if you're missing your ace pitcher in a 60-game season, that's oh. really, really bad news. And so over the weekend, we, we, we know that Nola's having to do with something on this COVID list. Zach Wheeler's about to... I give birth to his child at the end of the month, like right as, right as the season's beginning. So you're starting to think like, wow, the Philly season just got really, really bad all of a sudden. You might yeah, you're without. starting to think Jake Pavetta is your ace, ace Yeah, starter. we don't even know who Jake Pavetta is. <laughs> or so, Nick Pavetta, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. But so, so then here's how this plays out, Jeff. Monday afternoon, there, there's people at – summer camp at citizens bank park all right so now by the way that's a whole other thing i'll go into because the media are in the upper deck and everybody else is just down below and you can't talk to anybody but anyway john clark of nbc sports philadelphia just happens to notice aaron is there no no <laughs> no nothing said about anything so he spots Arenola. Arenola's dressed he just walks out to the outfield and starts throwing the baseball so all this panic an entire mm-hmm. weekend's worth of panic, and Arenola just strolls on out to center field and starts throwing a bullpen. Is, is this a way to do things? Isn't, isn't that kind of the way the first few days of testing in the MLB has – that's like a microcosm of it because there were – everybody was tested, and there was a very small percentage of players that tested positive for COVID. I, I was actually encouraged by the – small amount of especially knowing how many are coming from you know california texas you know arizona places like that that have high even rates, internationally right? and internationally correct so i thought the number was relatively decent and small and controllable and yet you had and i'm not criticizing here i'm just talking about i'm just basically laying out you had a couple of people really come out and be outspoken about the testing not being quick enough. Sean Doolittle made that uh, remark about it from the Nationals. Other people, even Joe Girardi was talking about there's going to be bumps along the way. Um, but there seemed to be like this widespread concern about the, how quickly the tests were coming back to the point where MLB had to issue a statement and said, look, 95% of our tests came back as planned. It's just that the holiday weekend slowed them to send things up as natural. So there, uh, to, to, to what you're saying, it seemed like there was a lot of panic but that the panic didn't match the actual data and results there. Well, so far of those seven players, right? The only one that's kind of showed up was, was Aaron Ola at this point, right? I mean, there's been some, there's been some rumblings that, that maybe Christian Bethencourt is on his way soon. I mean, not that he was one of the impact players, but um, also some rumblings that maybe Hector Neris would be back soon. And I think, I think this is the big problem with, 
with this, the way that they're doing things and, and being so secretive. If, if you can't say, oh, yeah, you know, he's just finishing up his, his two week of quarantine and, you know, he's ready to he's ready to start throwing a baseball or he's been working out and we don't think he's good. So like right now you're thinking like, man, you're, 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 you're down all these key players on your roster. But I mean, if you think about it, like we, we heard about Tom, Tommy Hunter was the one name we heard for sure. Right. That was the one name that sort of came out by Scott Lauber, the Philadelphia inquirer. So Hunter, that was weeks ago. I mean, he, he could be fully recovered by now, or maybe he got sure. a bad case or maybe he was asymptomatic. Like we don't know anything about this. So you've got all these, all these players, and, and and meanwhile, you have you have this mass hysteria across Major League Baseball, where where you have some people saying, "Well, well, should we really even have a season at this point?" I mean, is there enough doubt right now that? So you, you said last week, "I'll believe it when I see it." Have how has your thoughts changed or not changed since last week? I will still believe it when I see it. And um, again, I was encouraged slightly by the lower percentage of, of uh, MLB players who tested positive for COVID that should mean that they could be able to control this thing in the next two or three weeks and identify the, you know, the, ter- the tracers and try to quarantine as much as possible and be ready. But, you know, look at the Atlanta Braves. I mean, they're, they're going to, it sounds like, and, and again, the lack of information is tough here, but they kind of painted a pretty bleak picture for Freddie Freeman, correct? Who tested positive and they're not certain when he's going to be able to be ready and, you know, obviously, when you in a sixty-game season, when you lose one or two players who are critical to what you do as Freddie Freeman, that can really impact you. Now, it doesn't change the fact that a season's going to try to happen. I'm just saying, I feel like the sentiments and uh, some of the negativity when guys test positive are, is going to be almost um, uh, the headline instead of the fact that maybe more this thing is going to wind up being pulled off you know there's gonna be some bumps as Joe Girardi said along the way but it, it feels like they're going to try to pull it off as well as possible so um, we'll see I'm, I'm still I'll believe it when I see it but uh, we're, we're one step closer a schedule is out and so uh, I'll, I'll proceed so so Hector Neris he was another one there obviously you don't want your closer I know he's your favorite closer ever on the Phillies uh, oh, so uh, but but no, I still wouldn't wish t- COVID on anybody but but he, but here's the thing like Hector Neris was hanging around Citizens Bank Park on Sunday. So there's no indication where somebody is in all this. You don't know right. if, I mean, now I, when you mentioned Freddie Freeman. Now the nice thing about Freddie Freeman was he came forward. He said, I want to let people know what I'm doing. I want mm-hmm. to let people know where I am. And the reason why is I want people to take this seriously. So uh, now, of course, for the Braves, now from what I understand that um, Freddie Freeman just happened just happened to start getting symptoms on Thursday. So he, he's like right at the beginning of all this. And, you know, the, the scary thing too, for, for your, your point about, you know, will there be baseball since that happened, Nick Markakis starting outfielder for the Braves just said, okay, I'm out. He left King Felix, Felix Hernandez. He had shown up to Braves camp. He says, nah, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, a lot of players have shown up and said, eh, I don't know if I really want to do this. Now, we knew Mike Leak of the, the Diamondbacks was going to opt out. We knew, mm-hmm. I think this time last week, we knew about Joe Ross of the Nationals, their fifth starter, right. uh, Ryan Zimmerman of the Nationals, uh, and, uh, you know, David Price. That's a big name. He, I mean, even right. even with the shortened season, he was due to earn some good money, and he just said, you know what, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, yeah. And he was really good. David, David Price uh, was – 
offered to pay for the salaries of the Dodgers minor leaguers. Now, I don't know if that ever actually happened or not, but being super generous to the organization clearly cares about the organization. Mm-hmm. He's not playing in 2021. And this, this, is, this is really, really, um, this is really hopefully not too indicative that the players, players aren't going to want to play. So how far down on this, this 60 player pool are we going to be when something happens? I think that's, that's, that's the real question here. Uh, and, and it's going to be really, really hard for us to try to talk baseball, to try to talk about the season, try to talk about who we think is going to win a division when players could be opting out left and right. Or, uh, you know, even, um, even Zach Wheeler, Philly's just signed Zach Wheeler. You know, he, he, I mean, I, I, I give him props. I think, you know, you, you go see your birth, your child. And I think that's the most important thing. Absolutely. But, but he says, you know, I, I have some doubts. Like, you know, I mean, that's got to be natural, right? You know, he's worried about what that means for, for his new child. Do you really want to subject your, your newborn child to, to, to this potential? Or the, or the opposite is, do you really want your newborn child to not see his father for two to three months? You know, and I don't want to get too technical, but I know that uh, a newborn baby, they say like uh, the first 48 to 72 hours are the most important time for that baby to really get acquainted with the mother and the father. And if he's not there, if he's there for, you know, just that night and bounces the next morning and then not home for three months, that's difficult. And I, and, and anyone can say, Hey, that's why you make $20 million a year, but you're all human beings. I don't know if any amount of money can really make you comfortable about not seeing your own newborn baby for several months. So I, I, I definitely understand. And it's part of what we all have to deal with this year and this crazy year. I think there's a lot of onions to peel back. Uh, I'm sorry, layers to the onion to peel back. Because going back to what you said about the Braves, right? When Marcakis and um, Felix who was the other person? Felix Fernandez. When they decided to be like, no, nope, that's it. Is it because Freddie Freeman tested pot Just merely because they didn't think that people were going to really test positive and there's Freddie Freeman of all people testing positive? Or did they witness... Fred, did they see how like Freddie Freeman looking like he was in bad shape and then say, you know what? I don't want any part of that, you know? And then so we're out. I, I'm, I'm curious to know what led to their decision fully to say I'm out. Cause I wonder if they, they probably, they may have had some doubts going in already. Then it, I would think if, if that, that quickly they were out. Well, they say, you know, they say out of sight, out of mind, right? I right. mean, maybe their teammate getting it made it real for the first time. I mean, I think it's, I think it's true of a lot exactly. of us. You know, we, I mean, how many times have we seen somebody tweet some story about this guy who was all against masks and all about all against this, thought it was a hoax, and then all of a sudden he comes down with it, and you know, reality hits pretty hard when that happens. What you say? Yeah. So yeah. That, that that could be the reason with with with, with these Braves. I mean, certainly Marcakis, he's a veteran. He's played a lot of years in this league with the Orioles and the Braves, and I, I suppose he's earned that right to 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 sit out and. Um, sure. You know, he would have been a, you know, probably more a supplementary piece to the Braves this year, but, but the Braves, you know, <laughs> again, back to the point about baseball, like we're trying to figure out how the division's going to play out. Like we, it, it's like a free for all right now. Right. It, it definitely is. I, it almost feels like from now, not now, I guess last Friday when the practices start until that first game, it almost feels like it's going to be a race to the finish line, the race to stay healthiest and most COVID free before the actual games begin. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, let's look at the uh, St. Louis blues. I don't know if you caught that. Right. So some of the St. Louis blues, they went out mm-hmm. to a bar together and four of them contracted the virus. So are, are, 
what's going to happen? What I really want to know is what's going to happen when people leave the ballpark? Are they that, are they responsible? Are they that thrown into the, uh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's, 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 there's yeah. so much, there's so, there's so much, so much to really consider here. And all it takes is one person to, to decide, Oh, the hell with this. I'm going to the bar. And then they come back to the clubhouse and what, what happens? I guess you got to quarantine everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be um, a lot of self-discipline that needs to be involved. And um, here, here's the thing. Like we, we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, I, I believe Joe Girardi comes with a certain amount of respect. That doesn't mean everybody's going to listen to him, but he does come with a resume. He's won a world series. He sets a tone. I'm not saying Gabe Kapler did not try to set a tone but I think we saw that there were communication issues between Gabe and his players and them understanding each other. Uh, I don't think that that's going to be as much of an issue with this Phillies team and this Phillies manager, as far as communication and the message and the tone being set. So I expect that Joe will set a tone that basically says, guys, we need to be more professional than ever in how we conduct ourselves socially outside of the baseball field for the next few months. And let's, you know, let's, let's, make sure we're being responsible. And I'm, I, I feel, and maybe this is wishful thinking on my part, but again, I do believe in the idea of experience and respect and your resume. I do feel like when Joe Girardi speaks, people might be more prone to listen because he'll do something about it if they don't. Good point. So now let's, let, let's, let's, let's figure out the scenario though. Let's say though, somebody, even though the, the, the managers, you know, there's, there, I know of plenty of people that have been super careful and yet somehow they get this, they get the virus, right? So let's say this happens through nobody's fault of their own, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do to a team? Do you have to forfeit a series while everybody's tested and then test it again? Is this like, this is, this is a, this is a tricky territory. Do you, you just forfeit the games? Do you just not count them against the final standings? If the Phillies are supposed to go to Baltimore and play the Orioles and the Orioles have to quarantine. They don't play the games. Do the Phillies get a win? Do that just, does that just not count? Do they just get three days off? I mean, this is, there's some stuff to figure out here. Well, if, the, yeah, if there's an outbreak, you're saying if, 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 just, <laughs> if one team has to quarantine because somebody in the clubhouse ended up exposed. Yeah, I mean, I guess that goes back to how advanced their, not just their testing, but their contract, uh, contact tracing protocols and systems are. I mean, I feel like that that's something that they paid a lot of attention to in the month or so leading up to all of this and that they've got their plan and they're doing what they can do. But there is always that, po- that, that potential, Frank. You're right. And I think that's why you're going to have these players, um, you know, for the Phillies, they'll be at Lehigh, right? Every, every team's going to have this pool of players they can choose from. And some teams may have to lead, hit that well a little bit harder than others. And as you're mentioning, let's say it's the Orioles and it's a three-game series. And, you know, the Orioles are already a bad team. But you might be playing their, their double-A team uh, for the yeah. most part at some point. And that will all factor in. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but because of this, the, this setup, it really does favor, I think, that's the experience. I think it favors the teams like the Yankees um, and, and possibly – trying to think what else. Uh, I think that the Yankees are going to be heavy favorites because A, they get to play the NLE, so they get to play the bad, like the Marlins. You know, I think their, their last 20 games, like the Marlins, the Blue Jays, and the Orioles, which is like uh, three teams that lost 95 games or more last year. So I just think that if you're, if you're deep and you're veteran and you've got good coaching staff, you're going to be favored as opposed to if you're on the rebuild here. 
So we'll break down that schedule in an upcoming segment to really see how this, how this favors one team or another. And I will say, I, you know, last week I brought up the question. It is actually not a balanced schedule, which is, which is kind of interesting. So why don't we take our break right now? So we'll, we'll take our first break, and then when we come back, we'll take a look at how these missing players might affect the Phillies team, talk about whether or not we think the Phillies can do it, and we will break down the schedule. This is the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Bost, Jeff Mosher. We'll be back after this. are back to the powder blue podcast frank close jeff mosher so we were talking about the covid protocols we we're talking about how it affected the phillies but a couple things happened uh the the last couple days <laughs> the, the washington nationals and the uh, st louis cardinals had to straight cancel their workouts why they did not get their testing in place and the words were very very strong from nationals general manager mike rizzo he's 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 actually throwing the idea out that they should stop this summer camp. So let, let, let's, let's, let's hear his words and go from there. So he says, without accurate and timely testing, it is simply not safe for us to continue with summer camp, Rizzo said. Major League Baseball needs to work quickly to resolve issues with their process and their lab. Otherwise, summer camp and the 2020 season are at risk. And meanwhile, the Washington Post says that the commissioner jumped on him for that. Is he speaking out of turn to say something like that? I mean, the Nationals did not get their test results and, and they didn't feel comfortable playing. Was it the entire team that didn't get its test results though, or just certain players? Because MLB released a statement. This is what I was talking about in the first segment that said, look, 98% of our tests came back as planned and accurately, it was just that the holidays slowed a few amount of tests. There's no more major holidays. This shouldn't be an issue. We're going to get it rectified. So I'm, that's why I was asking, did the, did the panic match the actual problem in this case? I mean, I get that sensitivities are heightened because of this, as they should be. But I will say this, Frank. I mean, Mike Rizzo is not the owner, <laughs> So he's kind of caught in the middle between the ownership and the players. But he, I think when people look at administrators of his stature, they kind of wonder if he's not articulating from what the owners are saying. And clearly there were, there were owners who didn't even want a season to continue. So you have to wonder who's shaping Mike, who's helping frame Mike Rizzo's words, if they're just his independently and he's just nervous about it. But, you know, two teams cancel workouts in the first Week. I thought was it the Cardinals. I misspoke. Or the it was the Houston Astros. I misspoke. Yeah. It was Houston Astros. Wrong central team. Yeah. No problem. Um, I would be. I want. I, listen. I'm as skeptical as anyone. You've heard me say, you know, until my eyes see it. But you at least got to give it some time here. Uh, if you miss a workout, no big deal. If you miss a week of workouts, that's a big deal. So let's see how this week too, as we go into it, uh, proceeds before we. I, I would advocate before making any long term conclusions like this thing is a failure. Okay, so was Mike Rizzo out of line to say something like that? Well, I think he was being reactionary. And again, I, I don't want to criticize someone who's got heightened sensitivities toward COVID because we all should. 
but it, it, MLB's statement to me made me feel a little bit better because when I read with Mike Rizzo and then Houston, I'm like, oh man, this thing is becoming a real issue. And then MLB says, whoa, 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 95% of our tests have been completed and accurate and are fine. It was just the holidays. We have an issue. Shouldn't be a problem going forward. So I think that they should have – I think Mike Rizzo should have said, this is a really unfortunate thing. I hope it gets a lot better. If this were to continue, we were going to have to shut this thing down, not just automatically talk about shutting it down after one practice gets canceled. Yeah, and is is the holiday weekend a fair excuse? I mean, we, I, I will say this: every weekend, the numbers seem to dip on Sunday. I mean, it's just just because I think it's a delay in reporting, or or you know, people are taking the day off to process the tests. I suppose. I guess people deserve a day off, right? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but but it, it, is that a good is that a good response that it was just a one time thing? Do you really believe it was just a one time thing? Because let's face it, most of us in our day to day jobs, we are not getting tested like this. And we're right. expected to go, right? So, I mean, think about it. Schools will open. Teachers are going to get tested every other day, are they? I mean, I mean, there's there's so many other industries out there that mm-hmm. don't have this same ability. Well, you you saw the statement from MLP. I mean, didn't that influence how you felt about the situation when you read that their their data? Well, you know, on one hand, yeah, I guess the numbers are low, but on the other hand, how many of these players that tested positive had no clue they had it? Right? Probably I mean, many of them, yeah. So that makes me, but but think about that. What what that percentage will do? Because if they were going about their business at home, how many people are they going mm. to infect? So, so that that I mean, I think that 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 actually brings up more concern for greater society. Is that a lot of people are are walking around with it, don't know they have it, and probably spreading it. And that's that that might be a, an indication that that there is something something about that. Yeah, I, I think you want everything to be pull, foolproof, right? Uh, but I also think it's fair, and even George Girardi said this, there might be a few bumps along the way. This is uncharted terrain for everybody. And I was more I, – I might wind up eating these words, but I was more encouraged by what I saw in MLB's response about how many people were tested and what was going on than I was thinking that this thing is just going to completely fall flat on its face. So I guess it could be a situation where both are right, where Mike Rizzo is sounding an alarm because he wants to make sure there are no more issues going forward. But MLB is also saying, look, we're at 95% here. It was like 2% that uh, I believe that the, that the MLB said were, were not back. And that in general, if, if that, that's a really good number. That's a really good trial uh, first week. And hopefully it'll be even better moving forward. I mean, when you're 98%, then you're, you're not very far away from being 100%, obviously. Well, I will say, yes, it is, not, it is less than other industries, and there's still so much more we need to learn. Now, let's talk for a second about the, the composition of the Phillies. Because right now, with that many players out, so it, it looks like they'll, they'll have Harinola. That's good. They'll have Hector Neris. Mm-hmm. Don't know what you're going to have from, from Zach Wheeler. Like, can, can they can they piece together a team that's competitive? Like, what, like could, do you get the sense, given all these names that are coming up and held back and, you know, it, it, let's say, I mean, let's hope not, but let's say that um, um, Scott Kingery, he's not, he's not in the best of shape and it's going to take him a few weeks to sort of, you know, get back into his stamina. It, it, what do you do? Like, can you feel the competitive team? I think you, you can because I think every team is going to be dealing with this, right? I mean, I'm sure the Braves are asking right now, can we 
uh, repeat as NL East champions if Freddie Freeman's going to be out 20 games, right? I'm just making up a number. If he's going to be out one-third of our season, but every team is probably going to wind up dealing with, um, if not a superstar player, an important role player like a Scott Kingery. I'll, I'll even roll into Hector Neris on that. <laughs> um, I'm sure. So, and, and some won't and some will, or, or I, I should say this, some will have to deal with it less proportionately than others. That's just the reality of the, the situation though. I mean, I think the Phillies will be impacted. Obviously if you're a, if you have questions in your pitching staff, right. And you get hit in your pitching staff, that's an issue. So yeah, the, the Phillies have back end bullpen issues. We suspect, and already they're without their clo- – oh, no, the closer's back. So well, right. well, maybe. I mean, he hasn't thrown a pitch. Sort of. Again, nobody's, right. really, nobody's right. really done much of anything yet. <laughs> right. But if you lose Scotty, Scotty, right, that's a big loss. But you also know that you have Segura, you have Didi, you have Alec um, Boom. Boom now to be able to take the spot. So, I mean, I, I just think that the deeper team – that's why I went back to saying, you know, teams like the Yankees, teams like the Dodgers, those Astros, the, the more depth and youth you have, obviously, it's going to serve you – even more so better than, than in the past. Yeah. So the, yeah, that is one thing that the Phillies have. I mean, in terms of the infielders, they're certainly well stocked with Logan Forsythe, Neil Walker, Ronald Torres, Josh Harrison. So there, there's, there, there is a bunch of, of options at least. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the Phillies got really, really lucky that they, that they didn't get to the point where they were cutting these players yet uh, that, that they've got this supply, although it's still kind of interesting to see if, if what will happen if they're not on the 40 man, do they, uh, do they still have these opt-outs? Like a lot, a lot of those veteran types had opt-out options and uh, the Phillies only cut one, Anthony Swarzak, and then they signed him right back. So, um, so I, I guess they're here to stay. I mean, that's, that, that's, that, that's a little tricky thing here with this roster. Like do you, um, can you afford to cut anybody or does, does that mean you bump some of the, the young guys off so that you can just make sure you have quantity? Yeah, no, that's a good question. By the way, are you a big Anthony Swarzak fan? I feel like you mentioned him every podcast. Are you, are you just a big Swarzak? He, no, he Is was that... just in the news. He was just in the news. Now, okay. Swarzak's, Swarzak's a be... nice player. Swarzak's a nice player. player. I will yeah. say of all, the, of all the righties that they brought into camp, uh, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, they, they brought in Drew Storin, who was released, but Norris oh, yeah, is still was... around. Um, I, I think Swarzak is the one that has the best chance to give you something. Just because just because he's had that success in the major leagues and right. has pitched with, uh, without injury more, more frequently. Now, granted, last year he was so-so. He was 3-4 and four with a 4-5-6 ERA, uh, which, which, isn't, which isn't stellar, of course, but, mm. you know, it's something. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the, he could throw the ball, <laughs> and right now you really don't know who's no, going to be I'm able to with do that. You. I like, as opposed to the last few years, I like the kind of – and I, I feel the, the way you feel about Swarzak, I also – would say I feel about Liriano being a good veteran left-hander to have and assume he'll, he'll provide some kind of impact on the team this year. And, and that varies from the last few years when, when, you know, Gabe Kapler was throwing some names in there of guys, you know, your and yell De Los Santos of the world where they just didn't have much of a resume prior to being up at the fill. So I, I feel a little bit better about that, but getting back to your point, I, th- I do feel, and I don't want to overstate this. I feel like people who listen to our, our podcast, Frank, are, are going to start getting, uh, grow tired of hearing me say this, but I do feel like having Joe Girardi is going to be such a big difference in a season like this because he's a tactician 
and he is someone who commands respect. And I think that not everything in a 60-game season is going to boil down to analytics. I think a lot of it is going to boil down to his gut, and especially dealing with the pitching staff and how many innings he wants to go, guys. And he, he just has always been a very, very good caretaker of his rotation and his bullpen, no matter where he's been. And I think that that's going to be a huge asset. It's not going to make, he's not a miracle worker. He's not going to make Anthony Swarzak a better pitcher. He's not going to make Hector Neris a better closer. He's not going to make Jake Arrieta any healthier this year. But I do believe he will understand how the pieces fit and how to use them properly to put them all in the best position to be successful. And that's one thing he said he was really good at. Now, what, one of his strategies that has been talked about over the years was that he's been really good at resting players early and then letting them loose towards the end. So I, I think that the fact he's used to switching the pieces out left and right will, will, will really help him in this particular roster. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, when you get – now, here's the thing. He's not really got a lot of time to let them loose, but, you know, maybe that's the last 10 games of the season where he basically says, hey, all hands on deck. Now, um, but we'll talk about the schedule in a second, but it is, it is tightly, tightly compact, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the Phillies are one of seven teams, Frank, that play 20 straight games this year. How about that? No day off, 20 straight day, uh, games. That Which is, goes back to what I was saying last podcast. I just feel like the teams that have a good amount of youth, like prospects coming up and helping them, I think the Padres, for example, are a team that could make more noise than people would expect. They started to turn the corner last year, but because they have so many good young players, who kind of can play every day and not worry about the wear down, I think they got a good chance. Phillies, they're in the middle, right? I mean, they're really kind of mostly veteran guys, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that this is the best situation for them to have to play 20 games in a row. Well, I don't think that's good for anybody. And I think that when they, when they negotiated the last CBA, they did not want that to happen. <laughs> and, uh, but, but you know what, this is, this is, this is uncertain time. So, I, that, that even begs the question, does that mean that you, you even try to try to – it's going to be hard as it is without, without Zach Wheeler. You know you're going to miss Zach Wheeler at least for a little bit so he can have his child. Uh, mm. But what about, what about the rotation? Do you even tr- – do you try to go – I know they were talking about stacking the rotation three deep. So they'd have a, a starting rotation, they'd have a backup starter, and then they even have a backup to the backup so that every fifth day you kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, no, Good. I was going to say, is, do you even want to try to try to get six starters going? I mean, like, uh, is, is, uh, is that too much too soon? There may be, there may be a, the good idea to having what you call a swing starter, someone who's prepared to start games, not obviously throw a lot of pitches, but to, just to milk those in. Like, Liriano might be that type of guy. I don't know if he can still be elongated anymore at this stage of his career, but if, he, if you think he can give you a three – you know, three or four, then yeah, you might you want to use the, him. You mentioned Liriano twice already. I actually really like Liriano. Uh, there was one day last June that mm-hmm. uh, I went out to Pittsburgh because I was I, I was visiting my uncle, and so I went to a, a uh, Pirates-Braves game, and, and he came in to pitch the eighth inning, and I, he was very, very sharp, and I thought, you know what? that This is a guy that Philly should try to trade for this trade deadline. And they were talking right. about the other closer, which is now in jail, and I don't want to talk about him. But, um, but Liriano, I thought was somebody the Phillies should have targeted last season, and he definitely could help the Phillies. Like I can see him being that back end lefty, and so I, I don't yeah. know if I would want to mess with that, you know, by by trying to stretch him back out. 
No, I don't. I don't know. But if you're Joe Girardi, you've got him. You've got Norris, who has been a starter in the past. I'm trying to think. Swarzak has not been a starter, has he? Bud Norris, yeah, he was a starter for a long time. No, no, Swarzak. I, I know oh, Bud I'm Norris sorry. was, but was Swarzak? Swarzak's mostly been a reliever. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah. at least that's how I remember him as with, <laughs> with then, the Braves. And... Yeah, but Ranger Suarez is a guy who we think can do both. So you might want to identify these three guys so that in any one week or you're going to be like, all right, this guy is going to be my swing guy. You know, like this week, Bud Norris, I'm not going to use him in long release situations because I may need him to start. Okay, or I'm only going to limit him to one or two innings this week because next week we're in the heart of our 20 game and I need to make sure I have this guy to be able to start. And you hate to do that because then you're like maybe taking a weapon away from you. But that's, again, what Joe Girardi was really good at, putting guys in position to succeed. So I didn't mean take one guy like Liriano and earmark him for that role. I mean, you can have a stable of guys that you can earmark for that swing role so that you can use your other ones in the roles you want them for in in any particular way. All right, now let's break down that schedule, but let's take a break first. So we'll be back after this. This is the Powder Blue Podcast. Jeff Mosher, Frank Close. We'll be back after this. We are back to the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. And the last thing for us to really dig into, we just started talking about it a little bit, is this Philly schedule. The schedule is released. There are 60 games, of course, which is the number that they did not agree to, but they're going to play. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, one thing I noticed, I don't think I heard anybody specifically announce it, but the Phillies do have – this, this maybe will answer our question a little bit because I, I, I really didn't know what the plan was for any type of preseason games. But there is a preseason game apparently scheduled at Washington next Saturday, the 18th. So there, there's at least one scrimmage game that's going to take place between two teams. I'm sure we will hear more about that later. I only know about it because when I went to pop up the schedule so we could talk about it, it appeared. So it was not there yesterday. So... Uh, it's nice to see that they will have at least one game, but this is the fact that there's only one though, that makes me a little nervous that there's not enough preseason action to really get them into playing shape. What do you think? I'm actually surprised there's even one. I, I figured they would be taking as much, you know, I mean, the NFL is about to probably have zero preseason games. So I'm, I'm even surprised that they're risking anything, a little extra travel, a little extra assimilation between multiple teams by having uh, even a, a game like that. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, proposition there. I mean, I guess if they get off the bus and go right to whatever clubhouse they are, don't talk to anybody, don't touch anybody, just mm-hmm. go into the field. Although, <laughs> I guess if they've all been tested, then the, the, the probability of passing it from one team to another is low. But, but there's going to be a game. I, I, I don't know if that will be televised yet. We'll have, we'll have to see. But let's talk about the greater schedule here. Now, one thing that surprised me, and I know – Last week, we sort of talked about it. As I mentioned, well, does this mean the schedule will be balanced? Well, the answer is actually no. The schedule right. is not a balanced schedule. Now, when you, looked, when you looked at the idea of a 60-game season, we figured they'd play four against each divisional co- opponent, which is 20 games. Uh, I mean, 40 games out of the 60. And then the thought was you would, you would face 
uh, you're in your final 20 games, the, the five teams in the American League East four times, but it's not like that. So here's how this, this schedule breaks down. And, and, and there's an imbalanced number of home games and away games, too, in terms mm-hmm. of playing your opponents. Now, what they seem to do in the National League East is they had two, two series in one location and one series in another location. And that did not mean that uh, you played uh, – obviously, it's not going to match up, right? So, so, for example, the Marlins. The Phillies placed the Marlins at home six times, just four road games, all in one series. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that's kind of what you had to do, right? I mean, you don't, you don't really want to force the issue of, of dividing that 10 by 4, do you? No, it would, it, I, I, that's pretty difficult to do. But I mean, There had one, to be a little bit of imbalance, I would think. Now, interestingly for the Phillies, they outnumbered their opponents throughout the NL East for all teams except for the Nationals. So the Braves, they play them seven times at home and three on the road. Now, is, that, is there a home right. field advantage given this, this schedule being what it is? I don't think so. Not if there's not going to be any fans. Yeah, so, I mean, there is the comfort, I suppose, of sleeping in your own bed and not in a hotel, but uh, that's... Uh, I just don't know. The, the imbalance that I don't get is how, for example, they play the Yankees four times, but then they play Toronto six times, I believe. Yeah, so, I'll, I'll, so the, NL, uh, the NL East playing the AL East, right? So the Phillies play the Yankees two home games and two road games. So those are short right. series. It's a home and home. It actually occurred, they, they open against the, the, the Miami Marlins. And then the very, very next day, they go to New York uh, and they do this home and home series two and two. The right. Orioles, they play three home games, but they do not go to Baltimore at all. <laughs> yeah, why, like why wouldn't they have just done six games versus the Yankees, six games versus the Blue Jays, instead of four games versus the Yankees and – I'm sorry. You know what I mean. Have it yeah, you would, even have to, you would have to – Four games versus each instead of six and – yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so they go, four, they go four against the Yankees, four against the Red Sox. Both of them are right. home and home, two and two. Orioles, they don't play in Baltimore, but they play three at home. The Rays right. do not come to Philadelphia, but the Phillies play three in St. Petersburg. So that's right. another one that was a little awkward. Was that they because they were the- trying, again, again, to keep teams more located? You know, are, are they playing the Yankees more so than Tampa because the Yankees are closer and they, they're trying to eliminate travel? That's a really good question. I, I don't really know how they, they arrived to their conclusions. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, when you look at their, their travel schedule, I mean, the Phillies on the one series, they go to Toronto and then to Miami and then come back right. home. So, I mean, that's, now where are, the, where are the Blue Jays playing? Are they playing in Toronto? The Blue Jays, they are in the Rogers Center in Toronto. So that's one thing they did work out. They, they, okay. Canada did let some Americans back in. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> by the way, they, the, the Flyers are probably going to play the entirety of their schedule in Toronto. I, uh-huh. Major League Baseball should do that too. I mean, you know, Toronto, by the way, the Rogers Center, they have that hotel in center field. The, right. the Blue Jays are going to literally walk from the hotel room down to the field. Like that, yeah, that's pretty contained, right? So uh, you could do that with some other teams. And, and maybe if, if there's enough room in the hotel for everybody, then heck, you just, mm-hmm. you just put the whole uh, AL East in the, uh, in the hotel there. But, but probably <laughs> not going to work. But pretty interesting that the Flyers are going to be playing in Toronto. And, and uh, uh, yeah. baseball, I guess, is I – guess, I guess hockey is more Canadian than baseball. So it, ma- it makes more sense. But – no guessing on that one, Frank. Right, so, <laughs> you're you're yeah. hit that one on the head. But by, Toronto, by the way, have have we have date? I'm sorry, 
times for all these games? We do, actually. I, okay. I will say the, the, the schedule has been maximized for television viewing, generally speaking. So that is, that's very, what I thought. Yeah. Very few day games. So uh, the, the Phillies do play their, their Saturday game at 4.05 p.m. I assume that's because Fox will carry it. That's, that, that was kind of the way that they would, they would uh, mm-hmm. schedule things. But, so 7.05 to start on Friday the 24th, 4.05 p.m. On, on Saturday the 25th. And then mm-hmm. Sunday is one o'clock, so like like the usual Sunday time, but it's also a travel day for teams, so that makes a lot right. of sense. Okay. Um, the home and yeah, home I against the that. Yankees, it's it's seven oh five six oh five, so I guess hmm. they gave them a little extra time, they gave them the extra hour to to, to take a bus up to New York, then seven right. seven, and then Toronto six thirty seven, which is kind of the typical Toronto starting time, and then three oh seven that Sunday, but. Um, but looking at the weekdays, almost all of them are, 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 are night games. The one exception being August 13th, where it looks like they're giving the Orioles some time to travel. So that's a 4.05 game there. So, but yeah, so mostly the games will be uh, in the evening. I know in Boston, they're starting their games at 7.30. They think, they think that that's better for television. Uh, only affects the Phillies for two. Washington's playing some more 6 o'clock games than others. Uh, but uh, you know, it makes me wonder. They again, you can kind of tell when there's like a national TV game involved, right? By the odd start time, like they they play a game in Washington at seven fifteen p.m. after playing two at six. So I, I assume somebody's going to carry that ESPN or whatnot. Um, but but yeah, the games are pretty much pretty much built around TV here because let's face it, that's how they're going to get their get their revenue, right? So one thing I do appreciate is Labor Day. I always like on the holidays to have baseball at one o'clock for some reason. You know, it seems like that's a perfect time to to fire up the grill and watch some baseball. And that will be on Monday the seventh, which is Labor Day. They do play in New York at one o'clock, but for the most part, it's it's maximized for your TV viewing. Now, the shame of it is, I, I always would love the opportunity to go down to the the uh, Tampa Clearwater area. They do close mm. against the the Tampa Bay Rays. What are the odds that there will be fans allowed in the stands in Florida at the end of September? You're asking the wrong question, my friend. What are the odds that there will be baseball still being played by the end of September? Very, very, very good question. I mean, the Florida, Florida is the hot spot now, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't think we're, we're getting any miracle cures or, or vaccines by, by then, but you know, this would kind of be a fun schedule if we were able to tr- able to actually go to the games. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah, I, I will say when the schedule comes out each year, I always see, all right, where do I want to travel to next? I don't, I, you know, I, I always look for Chicago. I look for for when they're in San Francisco. San Francisco, that's right. I, I I probably would have flown down to Globe Life Park in in Arlington, Texas, this year if, if they were supposed to play like the on a, a weekday in August. That's not going to happen now, right? So there's there's uh. This is this is not a fan travel schedule, of course. This is just a let's let's get everybody in the t- same time zone kind of schedule. So so at least right. there's that. No no late no late games on the West Coast keeping us up late. So I appreciate that. But um, but there's baseball, so it is a little imbalanced. Uh, they do play their their divisional foes plenty. I do prefer to see that the Phillies play at home more against the uh, the, the Atlanta Braves because that could be a tough tough one, but. Uh, yeah. but, but there's baseball. So the question, your, your, your question, will we get to the end with, uh, with these games played that remains to be seen, but real fast before we go a 20, you, you mentioned there's a 20 day stretch of baseball. Is, is that, is that what you said? 
Uh, 20 straight games, yes. I and they're one of only six or seven teams that have that. I saw that on um, MLB Network last night when I was watching the schedule release show. <laughs> yeah, so they roll right. Wow, that's, that's, and it's towards the end, too. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that didn't occur to me when I watched it. So they, they, they have uh, seven straight games to close out August, and then they open September going all the way to the 13th. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a – wow, that, 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 that's going to be something. Well, think about it also. You, you talk about the importance of starting quick, fast. A good start in a year where if you, if you start off 5-10, and 10, you're really behind the eight ball because that's a 30-year season. They have the Marlins for three, and they've always done poorly against the Marlins, and then the Yankees for four straight. And then Blue Jays, then Marlins again. So before they even get into the Braves and then the Mets and the Red Sox, they've got a little bit of turbulent waters only because they play so poorly against the Marlins. Otherwise, you'd look at the schedule and say, hey, that's not bad. You know, six of our first 20 games are against the Marlins. That's great. No, no, no. These are the Phillies. <laughs> and let's not forget, Jorge Alfaro is a Marlin, which means he is going to beat up on the Phillies constantly. Uh, they right? all that do. Just see, that just seems to be the, the Phillies' way, and, and uh, I just feel like Jorge Alfaro – will haunt the Phillies for years. But we will see. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. We'll catch you next time.